Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 40 of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopech, here once again at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company in Pittman, New Jersey. Another fine Tuesday evening. Dr. Frey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jason. How about yourself? Pretty good. Another great crowd. Weather's getting nicer. It just struck me that you said episode number 40. 40. 40. Another little milestone. That is a lot of episodes. It's, yep. it's, it's awesome. One part of it is, you know, we've, we've been slogging away and, 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 you know, I guess kind of marathoning here. Yeah. But it's nice. And people will ask me now, you know, like, like, hey, I heard you had a podcast. One, and I just say, yeah, just type in sports medicine. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the first ones to come up. And yep. it's like it's a good sign. It's a nice feeling. This is the time of the year where, you know, the, the NFL is done. And, um, you know, we thought we'd be talking more baseball this time of year. And we, we have recently the episode with Greg Burke and right. your predictions. Greg's predictions were spot on. Right. Here we sit. Unfortunately. March 8th and we're in a delay. And. You got the TV behind you. I, I read it over your shoulder there where they have another deadline for tonight yep. uh, where a, a potential another week of the season could be canceled. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Mm. And, you know, as we've all have talked about already, you know, it's a, it's a sport that tends to oftentimes appeal to the probably the older mm. half yeah. of the population at this point. And sometimes a move like this, maybe not the best thing in that yeah. to ever happen to baseball. So despite the, you know, despite the MLB being, you know, temporarily shut down, if not for the rest of the season, there's a lot of baseball still going to be played out there in the country, right? I mean, that's where college baseball, high school right. baseball is in full swing. Sure. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of my life in the independent league circuit. Right. That's going to be happening. Minor league baseball still potentially could be playing. I actually don't know if they do play. Do, does, I do think the that, minor yeah, leagues do? I think that, you know, they're still working those details out from what yeah. I understand, but it's not off the table. Right. And, and independent league is very different than minor league. Correct. Right? Yep. Like it's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's not a, the theater system for yeah, the MLB. Exactly. Yep. But so we, we still can talk a little bit of baseball, right? And we, we were we were kind of going through topics and we covered the labrum. We covered dislocations of the shoulder. Yeah. But somehow we never talked about the rotator cuff. Interesting because it's such a big part of baseball and big part of injuries. Right. Such a common injury scene for, for orthopedic surgeons and, and trainers and the like. Yeah. And you and I were talking like, I don't even think, you know, you have to be a sports enthusiast to know the term rotator cuff. Right. I mean, like yeah. we, a lot of people seem to know and I think they immediately associate it with baseball. That's right. There's also a lot of people out there who call it a, call it a rotary cuff, <laughs> but it is in yeah. fact a rotator cuff. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like lots yeah. of times. But baseball players, overhead throwers, mm-hmm. um, overhead athletes are not the only ones who get right. this particular injury. Right. It's, it's pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. And to steal a, a page out of our own playbook, mm-hmm. uh, back when we covered Fernando Tatis, we had broken it up into a two-part episode or two-part yeah. series where we had the physician on and we talked about the labrum. And then part two, we brought in you know the rehab component of it. That's right. So I thought we would do the same thing here tonight. So right. you, you know, you and I are going to talk about the anatomy, physiology, you know, everything associated with the rotator cuff. And then coming up in a week or two, we have a great lineup of guests. Right. You know, maybe we won't spill all the information, but a good, good friend of mine who I've known for a number of years. Right. You have a good friend coming in who brings a little bit of the playing experience right. as well. Not Greg Burke, <laughs> uh, although we probably could have. But of course, we but we have we have Greg. another ex-player going to come in and join us, and we'll talk about the recovery and you know the return to play aspects and the rehab things. But sure, I guess I don't know. Is it safe to say we're going to kind of we're going to go over the dry stuff, the the meat and potatoes here tonight? 
Yeah, way to build it up before we start the show. <laughs> the, the real dry right. stuff. So in case you wanted to, t uh, to tune out, now's yeah. your chance. This is probably more for our, uh, our, our athletic training students, any kind of other medical students that follow our podcast that we, you know, we've heard a lot about. Right. You know, that you could use this as, you know, a good tool, you right. know, for your learning experience. So, Dr. Fred, let's just start with the basics. Where is the rotator, rotator cuff located? So it's in your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're if you're looking at somebody, kind of the big muscle there that's on the on the side of the shoulder is, is your deltoid. Right. And that's a kind of the workhorse if you're trying to raise your arm and your deltoid has you know kind of three sections, your anterior, posterior and the, the middle section. The rotator cuff essentially lives, lies right underneath that. Mm -hmm. So so it goes from your shoulder blade, your scapula to the top of your humerus, the, the, the top of the, the arm there. So it basically wraps around the outside of the ball of the ball and socket joint of the shoulder. Mm -hmm. There's more than just one p component of the yeah. rotator cuff. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm setting you up on a tee here. Yeah, totally. I, we, we learned it in, uh, in athletic training school. Shout out to Dr. Carolyn Jimenez, <laughs> uh, Dr. Sandra folks goldax It's one of those things you won't forget, right? So they give sure. us the acronym SITS, SITS. right? So the rotator can, consists of four muscles. Yeah. Doc, what are they? So yeah, so there are four muscles that are attached to your shoulder blade. Yeah. One is the subscapularis muscle, and that's mm -hmm. kind of on the, the inner surface of the shoulder mm -hmm. blade. And that becomes a tendon that goes across the front part of your shoulder, mm -hmm. um, which is the one that's a little bit separated from the others. Then your biceps tendon kind of passes through a little groove. Mm -hmm. And then just beyond that, on the shoulder blade, you have your supraspinatus, which is really the workhorse of the rotator cuff, then your infraspinatus, and then below that, your teres minor, hence right. the, the whole yep. SITS acronym. Yep. Those three muscles, um, which all sit on the on the outer half, kind of the back half of your, of your shoulder blade, they come together and basically form one cohesive tendon, mm -hmm. um, which wraps basically from the, the top, almost close to the front of the shoulder, mm -hmm. just outside of where the biceps tendon passes through mm -hmm. and wraps all the way down the back part of the shoulder onto something called the greater tuberosity. Mm -hmm. Which makes it you know, an interesting muscle group, right? And the fact that it's sitting on the back of the scapula, mm -hmm. but yet it, it has that component where it wraps around to the humerus too. And the scapula itself moves, right? right. So, so. Right. Yeah. yeah, very, very complex series of movements. We we know a lot about the rotator cuff through media just because it, it always seems to be associated with baseball. But what is the exact function of the rotator cuff? And the four muscles work independently as well, right? They, they work have independently, yeah. but there's also something called force coupling. So mm -hmm. they're working at the same time. Right. They're working in conjunction timing wise as other muscles as your deltoid mm -hmm. and other muscles around your shoulder blade. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a very, again, it's a, it is a very mm -hmm. complex series of movements. And essentially the main role of the uh, rotator cuff is to keep the ball of the ball and socket joint mm -hmm. balanced right on the socket. So we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. uh, we've gotten into it a little bit before in the past when we've talked about labral tears and whatnot, where, you know, the hip is this deep ball and socket joint mm -hmm. and the shoulder is a very shallow ball and socket joint. It's more like a golf ball sitting on a golf tee. Yeah. And it's easy for the golf ball to roll off the golf tee. Mm -hmm. Well, the rotator cuff does a really a very good job of balancing it on there. And then the other thing that it does is it creates the pivot point for when you want to raise your arm up. Mm -hmm. So if you have your deltoid muscle, which is this big muscle on the, on, on the edge of your, on the side of your shoulder that reaches down and connects surprisingly about 
halfway down your arm. And th the reason that's a factor is because the vector pull, the direction of pull of the, of the deltoid, that big muscle, if you're going to raise your arm up, mm -hmm. is actually pretty much straight up, straight north, right? Proximal. Mm -hmm. So if there isn't something at the very end of that bone to hold the ball in place, what's going to happen is the, the ball will just roll off the socket. It'll just slide right up. So what's there to hold that ball in place to create a little bit of a pivot point is the rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. It kind of grabs onto the top of the ball and I wish, I wish the our listeners could actually see me now reaching yeah. around, you know, and like pulling it down onto the socket and mm -hmm. it creates that pivot point. And this way that instead of the arm going straight up, the, the arm actually rotates up the way that you want it to so, so that you can move your hand around in space. Yeah. You could reach up over your head. And if someone has a, and we're going to get into it a little bit, yeah. but someone has a, a large or large rotator cuff tear, an acute traumatic massive rotator cuff tear, you, you try to watch them lift their arm and their shoulder, the whole shoulder kind of moves up, but instead of the, the arm rotating up and the hand going up to this way you can reach up over your head, instead it goes out about 20 or 30 degrees mm -hmm. and their shoulder just kind of lifts up like yeah. this little kind of shrug thing. And as you can imagine, what's going on is the ball is sort of rolling off the socket. When we had Jess Harrison on, you know, way back in one of the first four or five episodes, we were talking about the labrum. This is probably the example of why when there's a, a labral tear that we're treating conservatively for the time being, maybe going to handle it in the off season. What you described about that ball in the tee is exactly why we strengthen the rotator cuff yeah, exactly. to keep that in place. Yeah. You know, until we can either get to the surgery or avoid it altogether. Right. That's what you're getting at, I'm assuming. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's one of the ideas. And that that's one half of the equation. And then the other half of the equation is strengthening the muscles around your shoulder blade. This way, your shoulder blade, the socket, the glenoid, is also in a good position to take some stress off the labrum. Yeah. So I'm not sure where to go next in chronological order here. But right. is, it, is it better to talk about what injuries could occur to the rotator cuff or how they occur? I'm not sure there's a, um, a right or wrong here. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think there's so, a right or wrong. Yeah. Not everything is a rotator cuff tear. Right? No. So why don't we talk about that? Okay. There are a ton of different injuries out there, right? Uh, the, the, the workhorse stuff, the, the, the main stuff would be if it's, it's not a rotator cuff tear, mm -hmm. but like a labral tear, which is the, the rubber gasket that surrounds mm -hmm. the socket, mm -hmm. a slap tear which is a tear essentially of that rubber gasket, yeah. but across the top yeah. where, where the biceps tendon comes in and attaches. You could have a biceps tendon injury. Mm -hmm. The biceps tendon comes up the front of the shoulder, dives into the joint and attaches right to the mm -hmm. top of the socket on the labrum, usually, almost every time. Mm -hmm. um, and then there, there are a couple other things that not necessarily acute traumatic injuries, but other pathology of the shoulder, which we see very frequently frozen shoulder, adhesive capsulitis, um, surprisingly presents somewhat similar to a rotator cuff injury. Mm -hmm. The main difference being that with a rotator cuff tear, I could still raise your arm all the way up above your head. Whereas even if you can't do it on your own and with adhesive capsulitis, neither one of us can. It's just tighter. There's a mechanical block to, to that range of motion. Another big one would be something called calcific tendonitis, which is like you get these mm -hmm. calcium deposits in the, in the, in the rotator cuff and, and they yeah. hurt, they cause yeah. pain. And then there's a few other like zebras or smaller things. There's a haggle tear, which is an unusual uh, injury, a capsular injury, uh, which causes instability in the shoulder. There's a there's six scapula, there's um, quadrilateral space syndrome. There's, you know, you can have a brachial neuritis, which is 
uh, like a nerve issue, Parsons Turner syndrome. So there's like a whole host of like kind of these much, much less likely roads that can go down. But the vast majority, to be honest, the vast majority are, are from an athletic standpoint, especially rotator cuff tear, labral tear, slap tear. I didn't want to cut you off because you were rolling there. Right. Sorry. I, I think my question was, <laughs> I think my question was injuries to the rotator cuff oh, can man. be, can be what? Tendinitis. Yeah. Yeah. Better tears. I'm sorry. No, it's totally okay. Blew it. Totally. Blew no, it's okay. It. All right. So, so, um, yeah. So the whole spectrum of injuries right. and I give this, I give this exact talk uh, to patients in, in the office fairly frequently, right? On one side of the spectrum, you have much less severe or significant injuries, tendonitis, some inflammation in the tendon. Mm -hmm. Then you can get some like kind of chronic changes in the tendon, chronic inflammation, ten more like a tendinosis. And you from can, a rotator cuff, that's what you're talking about where it inserts the greater uh, tuberosity. Right, so yeah. that's, that doesn't necessarily happen in the muscles, right. the parts that come off the shoulder blade, but it's where the muscles then become a tendon and where the tendon attaches tendons to the attach top muscles, of the, the, bone, to so the, top yeah. of the ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because they're tendons, you can, you can, uh, tendonitis, tendinosis. Yeah. You could also get a strain, yeah. not a sprain. Sprain right. is right. It happens to ligaments, right. a strain of the, of the rotator cuff. Then you can start getting some partial thickness tears. Mm -hmm. So, so again, I'm going to try to get through it a little bit without, without boring everybody to death, but so the rotator cuff attaches all the way around from the front up over the top of the over the top of the ball and then down the back of the ball and then anywhere along that line anywhere along that whole attachment all the way around the whole top like the cuff that it mm -hmm. forms it, it, it's about a centimeter thick about mm -hmm. 10 millimeters from the from the inside portion of the rotator cuff to the the, the innermost portion is the outermost portion. So it's a pretty thick attachment, right? Mm -hmm. So you can get a partial thickness tear mm -hmm. where part of that peels up, mm -hmm. either the articular side, the innermost side where, where it's close to the cartilage or the bursal side. So the other side of the rotator cuff where it's, it's closer to the space, like closer to the chromium, the, the, tip yeah. of the tip of the shoulder, or you can even get a little bit of a partial interstitial tear in between the two ends that attach, but right in the middle, that middle, you know, eight or nine millimeters, you can get a part that peels up. That's a partial thickness tear. Then you can get like a full thickness tear, but a small full thickness tear. So that full complete 10 millimeters tears up all at one spot, mm -hmm. but it's only in a little area and down the front it's still attached and down the mm -hmm. back is still attached, but in the front or that one little area, it's fully across. And then you can get larger tear where that becomes full thickness tear, but it becomes a little bigger. And then you can get this you know, like a massive tear where it's a, a multiple of the tendon involvement. Mm -hmm. And then like down the line, if that, if that isn't addressed, that can turn into arthritis related to a poorly functioning rotator cuff. So cuff whole different, discu yeah, yeah, whole different, yeah, whole different discussion, which we'll probably speak about on part two, but, but a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But a huge spectrum of, of injuries. So how do these spectrum of injuries even begin? Right, right. What, what is the, what, as we say in athletic training, what is the mechanism of injury for right. a rotator cuff? So, so this, this, this talk is really geared more mm -hmm. towards athletes, right? Sports medicine right. on tap. Well, that's, that's the only place a, a rotator cuff tear or injury can happen, right? In Absolutely sports. not. Just like you were saying, man, <laughs> yeah. it happens across the board. Right. So, so typically in an, an athletic population, oftentimes this is more of an acute type injury, mm -hmm. but there is a chronic component to it, sure. especially in an overhead throwing athlete. Yeah. This in and, in and of itself can get a little bit complex. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll give you the short answer up front, then I'll kind of get into a little more detail. All right, so the short answer is lots of times it's going to be fall on an outstretched hand, mm -hmm. fall onto an arm, fall in a bad position, kind of this traumatic injury. Like uh, an outfielder diving, diving. for a, a, a fly it. ball 
Yeah, right, right, right. catches it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter, but right, yeah, yeah, that arm is outstretched. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the cuff tears. And lots of times that guy, when he first comes into the office, he can't even lift his arm, mm-hmm. or if he can lift his arm, it's very, it's very difficult and yeah. it's very painful, right? And then you have more of your pitcher's type of an injury, okay? With a pitcher's type of a version of a rotator cuff. And there's, it's really a whole cascade. Mm-hmm. Part of that leads to slap tears and label tears, yeah. and part of that leads to rotator cuff tears. So lots of times, you know, one there's a few different theories out there. One of the theories is this uh, posterior capsular tightness, which mm-hmm. leads to this whole cascade. So, as as a pitcher throws during the deceleration phase of his throwing motion, not quite. So, so part of kind of the follow through and slowing down his arm. There's a lot of stress across the the back portion of the rotator cuff mm-hmm. and the posterior capsule, and you get these little micro injuries, micro tears, and that causes tightening mm-hmm. of that area. Okay, and as that area begins to tighten and stiffen up, that changes the positioning of the ball relative to the socket. Mm-hmm. It tends to pull it posterior back and actually pull it superior just a little bit, right? And that creates a number of issues. When you examine a patient for our athletic trainers out there, we talk about something called GERD, glenohumeral internal rotation deficit, and and that's that's GERD, right? The posterior capsule gets tight, yeah. you start losing some of that internal rotation because it's too tight, and you, you've lost the um, slack in the rope mm-hmm. for 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 a better yeah. term, for a better description. And what winds up happening as a product of that is that every time that overhead throw goes to throw, they're not rotating perfectly in the center but there's actually this cam effect the ball has slid a little bit posterior there's a little bit back so now as they externally rotate rotate back they're actually stretching Mm -hmm. the front capsule which causes the capsule to become loose Mm -hmm. then that leads to labral issues and anterior instability the other thing that happens as a byproduct of that is that you begin to pinch the rotator cuff between the ball the humor head and the socket so you start to get posterior articular surface-sided tearing. The other, the other thing is you also start to get some posterior superior labral tearing. And we call that internal impingement. It's this, this constellation of, of injuries that you see, you get that the throws will sometimes get. And that's the beginning sometimes of the rotator cuff tear. Sometimes it's, 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 it's just, it starts wearing down, it's wearing down, it's wearing down. You have this bad positioning and then it's one throw. It's kind of the straw that broke the camel back, camel's back and then, and then it goes. Sometimes it's just a slow progression of, of, of kind of a chronic issue and as you just get too much so so it can be it can be as a byproduct of a number of issues and my next question really kind of steers away from my education of really focusing on the athletic population but right. i think my time with reconstructive orthopedics right you know that was really whether it's it should have been earlier or it truthfully just hasn't been but mm-hmm. i started seeing that the a different population other than athletes were suffering from these rotator cuff tears so the older population middle-aged population whatever it may be we're you're like coming, how did that right you know 65 so, year old guy tear yeah. his cuff and you know when when we're in the exam room yeah you know well, what i have no idea but it's just been being progressively getting worse right you know can, wakes can me you, up at night which is a very classic complaint yeah, yeah. keep going touch on that for me right so so yeah and, and in actuality, the blood supply to the rotator cuff isn't great. Mm-hmm. And, and it tends to wear down over time, as, as the shoulder in general does. People start to get labral tears. Um, and, and, and part of that is frequently compensatory. Like yeah. it, it has to sort of stretch out because as you get stiffer, in order for you to maintain your range of motion, you get start getting these other tears. The cuff starts to wear down. 
the quality of the tissue begins to degrade a little bit. You start mm -hmm. getting a little bit of atrophy and, and, and it becomes more of this, this chronic type tear. And then again, it's frequently what we'll see lots of times in that population is the acute on chronic injury where it's wearing down, you get this yeah. partial thickness tear. If I, and I tell patients this all the time, if I took a hundred people that are 60 mm -hmm. years old, right. none of which has any pain in their shoulder, and I stuck them in an MRI and did an MRI of their shoulder, about 60 of them are gonna have some, at least partial thickness rotator cuff yeah. tears. And they don't have any pain and they're doing just they fine. No and we don't idea, have to yeah. do anything about it. You leave it alone. However, there are a certain number of those people who have those partial thickness tears do have pain. Their mm -hmm. mechanics are just distorted enough to cause an issue and they become symptomatic. And, and those people then, you know, we try to get them better without a surgery. Mm -hmm. We do physical therapy and we'll talk about some of the different things that we try to mm -hmm. do to get those people better. Sometimes injections, calm it down and whatnot. Sometimes they get better and you, again, you leave it alone, just like one of the other people in one of the other 60. But if they don't reach that point, then we talk about going in and, and, and trying to fix it. When, when a patient is in your exam room, whether it be an athlete or general population, like we said, older population, and they start talking about and they're describing this pain in the deltoid region. Right. Um, another part, another part of this conversation that I've always found fascinating. Yeah. What does that deltoid pain mean and why is that significant to the rotator cuff? You're right, because I'll stand there and I'll say your shoulder, your shoulder, your shoulder. Yeah. And the patient will keep repeating to me. It's not my shoulder. It's, it's like not more, my shoulder. It's more down here. It's lower right? down. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really right here. Yeah. And, and, and 99 mm -hmm. times out of, occasionally there's something else going on, right? But mm -hmm. 99 times out of a hundred, that's the rotator. Cuff. And I can't tell you how many text messages I've gotten when I was working in baseball specifically right. that started off with, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to come see you tomorrow. Yeah. I'm having this pain in my deltoid. Yeah. You, you know, I think I strained my, my, my deltoid, my right. middle deltoid. Right. And, 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 and yeah, so truth be known, like yeah. you, you read your, you read the reports, right? Like so-and-so was shut down. He's got, you know. Deltoid strain, mm -hmm. and, and of course my mind goes, uh, he's got yeah. a cuff there. Like, 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 mm -hmm. like, and it, 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 we don't know that for sure, right. but but like cuff involvement, cuff even, involvement, right? right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you're right. It's mm -hmm. my, my mistake, right? No, right. it's cuff okay. I, I just mean like in, it doesn't just have to be the yeah. tear, right? And so, so, and there's a couple different theories as to why. Why mm -hmm. does that happen? So, typically, that pain that's halfway down the arm where mm -hmm. the deltoid attaches is referred from the rotator cuff. And there's mm -hmm. a couple different theories as to why. There's some crossover um, neurologically as you're forming as a baby, you mm -hmm. break your plexus and whatnot, and there may, your, your mind may misrepresent where the pain is coming from. You feel it there. That, that's one of the thoughts. Sure. Another thought here, um, and an, another pretty strong possibility is the fact that, like I was just saying, how the rotator cuff and the deltoid work in, in such mm -hmm. close concert. It's, force coupling idea, right? In order to keep the ball balanced on the socket, when your deltoid pulls one way, the, the, the rotator cuff has to pull another way to keep the ball well-centered and get your arm to rotate and shoulder. So you can put your hand in space wherever you want it to be. And that starts to get disrupted as the rotator cuff is no longer holding up its end of the deal. So there's an overstress on the insertion of the deltoid so there's a little bit of a strain at the deltoid. So in a, in a way, that is a, a reasonable description. However, the real source of the issue is not necessarily the deltoid. The real right. source of the issue is the fact that the rotator cuff isn't doing, holding up its end of the deal. For all of our medical students now, let's 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 go further into the uh, examination process here. Sure. So I'm going to test you a little bit on your memory. I, I remember <laughs> I was never good with the names of the special tests. Right. right. So I remember for our board of certification exam, you yeah. had to know the names and what they did. 
this many years later, I'm, I'm not proud to say I, I just know you flip, you know, you flip the arm over. This test, test, yeah, yeah. You, you flip the, you know, this test, the rotator cuff, right. this test, the labrum. Right. I've lost sight of the names, but for all our students out there, be it medical students, athletic trainers, physical right. therapists, what are the special tests used to diagnose or at least give you some concern of a cuff involvement? Absolutely. First, there is a lot of overlap in these tests. You can have a slap tear, which will present somewhat similarly to a rotator cuff right. tears. Biceps tendon pathology, there's some similarity. And then we have specific tests that are really meant to try to hone it in and mm -hmm. focus what the problem actually truly is. But but these things are all close to each other, right? Yeah. If you have a little if you have a slap tear, the ball starts riding up just mm -hmm. a little bit relative to the socket because the, the labrum at the top isn't doing an mm -hmm. adequate job holding it in place. What lives right above that? The rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. The ball starts banging into the rotator cuff and you start getting some rotator cuff symptoms. Similar with the you know biceps and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so some of the truly rotator cuff specific tests are uh, one, check their range of motion, yeah. first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Big, big tear. We call it pseudoparalysis. You try to lift your arm, you really can't lift your arm. Mm -hmm. And that does usually get better with time, even with a big tear, but but especially acutely, that's one of the big deals. Pain with the elevation with your arm over your head is one of your indications that it's it, that it that is a rotator cuff. And I point that out because there's a lot of crossover between neck injuries, mm -hmm. cervical spine and, and shoulder. Mm -hmm. And and actually the opposite holds true for cervical spine. One of the things, if your pain is relieved when you put your arm up, it's it's, it's probably your neck, your cervical spine, right. not your shoulder, not your rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. So the test that we do typically will check range of motion, see how well the active and passive range of motion, and then you're going to check strength. Mm -hmm. So you have person kind of patient hold their mm -hmm. arm, the athlete hold their arms kind of straight out. Yeah. Usually have them move forward just a few degrees. So mm -hmm. so so coming in here just slightly. Thumbs towards the ground, which really puts the emphasis on the supraspinatus, and you push down on mm -hmm. their arms. And one, see how strong they are, yep. because with a rotator cuff tear, a lot of times that'll just kind of buckle and give way. Mm -hmm. They lose some of that strength. And two, does it elicit pain? Mm -hmm. um, and in a rotator cuff tear, pretty much every time that's going to elicit mm -hmm. pain. Um, there's something called a near impingement test. So that that, that first one was basically your empty can test, mm -hmm. right? And then there's near impingement test where you try to stabilize the shoulder blade, the scapula, mm -hmm. and thus also stabilize, stabilizing the acromion, which is the, the tip of your shoulder attached to the scapula. Yeah. And you internally rotate or pronate the forearm a little bit and you raise the arm up, um, flip forward, flex the shoulder, and you're basically banging the rotator cuff into the undersurface of the acromion. And if that elicits pain, again, you're concerned about rotator cuff pathology. In my opinion, that test is a little less helpful. Mm -hmm. It's it sometimes comes out positive, but oftentimes pe people are like, no, no, not too bad, not too bad. And then you do another kind of impingement test, Hawkins impingement mm -hmm. test, where you're bringing the arm up to the side, uh, kind of shoulder up to about 90 degrees, the arm are kind of out in front of you, and you basically take the, take the elbow and push the elbow up. Thus, you're trying to bang the similar to near yeah. pin, but you're banging the greater tuberosity where the rotator cuff attaches into the top of the shoulder, your chromium. In my opinion, that one's a lot more sensitive to picking up some rotator cuff pathology. Mm -hmm. And then there are, there are a few other tests for strength. You want to check external rotation for strength, which would be part of the rotator cuff, but more the infraspinatus, mm -hmm. the, the back part of the rotator cuff. There's um, uh, an aptly scratch, scratch test. test. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so you want to you have the patient try to reach across and touch the other scapula. Mm -hmm. So they can go over the head, and if that causes pain, then you're getting pain with external rotation and elevation, mm -hmm. which is what elicits pain in a rotator cuff. Yeah. And then also you can have them try to reach back and across underneath like the, the lower back, the yeah. lower portion, yeah. 
um, and that also will cause more of the subscap type pain. And there's something called the traditional test for the subscap, the front part of the rotator cuff has been uh, something called, and this has got to be so boring for anyone who's not really into this, but it's traditionally been the belly press test. Like the left arm. Yeah, so, so and, and, and there's, there's weakness. Uh, it's a very hard one to describe. Mm -hmm. I like the bear hug test to, better, to yeah. test the subscap better. It tends to test the, the upper border of the subscap, which is what usually tears if there's an issue. And essentially, I tell the person to put their, let's say, right hand from testing their right shoulder mm -hmm. onto their, uh, put their right hand onto their left shoulder to not hold the shoulder, but keep the hand there and I kind of hold the elbow still and I go to rotate the the hand off the shoulder and they have to try to fight me and keep the hand there. And if that elicits pain, I'm a little worried about the subscap tendon. So there's a whole series of tests and probably with, with regards to the shoulder, there are more tests for the rotator cuff I think than right. really any part of the shoulder. Yeah, I'm going to uh, air some of my, my uh, complaints about the special test and you tell me where I'm wrong, but via the textbook they usually told taught us that like this test if it's a positive result means this yeah. this test means that right. when i've seen these acute tears like the outfielder diving right. every test hurts absolutely you know and it's always like well now like am i am i concluding from these special tests that we have a cuff and a labral and a biceps tendon right and an and, ac joint and, and yeah and an ac and joint and an impossible clavicle fracture right. and, uh, <laughs> instability posteriorly right where really that really becomes how did it happen, the mechanism, the history, what have they been dealing with? So this is where we get into the art of medicine, right? right? 100%. Right. You're not the only one to come to this conclusion. <laughs> the other, not to get off track, like the other kind of, kind of, I think like really, really, so hip all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Tons of crossover, really hard to figure out, very complex joint. Um, we see it in the hand, there's something called canaval signs. Mm -hmm. So so some, there's a, something that's very worrisome, flexion, an infection in the hand, flexion tenosynovitis. And there are these different signs that we that we look for that would indicate that, that, that this might be flexor tenosynovitis. This yeah. person needs surgery. Every hand infection comes across with the, all of those exact signs every time. Like like it always looks like that. So yes, the same yeah. thing holds true in the shoulder. You're right. A lot of those signs and a lot of those tests come back positive. Part of it is what I just explained. Yeah. Your labrum is close to the rotator cuff, is attached right. to the bicep tendon. So especially in the acute setting a lot of them are going to be inflamed. Right. A lot of them are going to come back positive. Yeah. And it's it can, like, so you have to really very complete and a thorough exam. You have to have an idea of the anatomy, know what's going on, know your patient. It's kind of crazy. And people, I think, are often surprised how much in orthopedics, it's, it's part of it kind of derives to common sense. Mm -hmm. like, like in a lot of medicine and a lot of science, it's cut and dry, black and white. Here's the problem. If it's, this is it, fix it. If it isn't, in medicine, there's a lot of like, hey man, like sometimes this will heal. Let's give it a try. Let's feel this out. Let's give it a little bit of time. Just attacking problems from a practical standpoint, right? Like you do, you handle this differently in someone who's 20 and mm -hmm. someone who's 70 right. because of their their life the life demands. You yeah. attack this problem differently if someone is a laborer or if someone is an IT guy right. just because of life demands. Or if they're an athlete, that's all part of the art of medicine, and this very much. You're right. So for the people who are just figuring it out and starting it out, don't 100% rely on this exam test was right. positive. It must be this. Right. It's it's a all pieces of the puzzle. You yeah. do the full exam and then you put the puzzle together and come up with your picture. And that, that's the art. 
and, and just about every topic we've discussed over the 40 that we've done, there's always that non-operative approach versus operative. And Absolutely. we're probably going to touch on that. When you're going through this exam mm -hmm. and you're going through these special tests, what triggers you to be more concerned or less concerned? Is it just purely the amount of pain? Is it the level of strength in these tests? Yeah, both. The, the big thing is really the weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, the someone, weakness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So level of strength. That, 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 for me, that's the big challenge. Yeah. Someone, you have, a, you have a young guy who walks in with pseudoparalysis, they, they can barely lift their arm, and, and there's an injury to match. Mm -hmm. Pseudoparalysis, acute traumatic rotator cuff tear. You know, so, so it, it could it be a dislocated shoulder, right? Like, so I get the x-ray, make sure it's not. I make yeah. sure, like, you know, of course, you kind of go through that whole process. But assuming it's not a dislocated shoulder, assuming it's not a fracture or mm -hmm. something like that, also has to be on your mind as possibilities. Yeah. Um, you go through that process and they can't lift their arm acute traumatic rotator cuff tear, right? Mm -hmm. um, or if they can lift their arm, but there's pretty profound weakness, there's a mm -hmm. positive drop arm. We didn't really get into that, but that the inability to hold their arm up. Yeah. And there, there are tests that, that, that we have that are that really just focus on the ability for someone to hold their arm in place, like where you put it. And if they can, if it's bouncing back, that indicates some pretty dramatic weakness or mm -hmm. dr dramatic injury, especially in a young person. Like, like we fight with the insurance companies about this all the time, right? The insurance, you, you, like that happens, you see it, that's the indication for surgery. There's mm -hmm. no interval, there's no role for physical therapy in some of those, mm -hmm. depending on the situation, there's no role. Like the right answer is surgery. You got to fix this, mm -hmm. right? And so we send them for an MRI and the insurance company denies it. No, you can't do an MRI, they need to do physical therapy, they need to do cortisone shots and, you, and, you, and it becomes this little battle, right? Like no acute traumatic tear, there's no role for this. It is indicated due to the MRI, and, and, and then usually you can kind of argue with with the support of the liter literature, mm -hmm. argue your way through to getting what you want. What are our non-operative approaches to a cuff injury? Pretty similar to our non-operative approaches to, for to just from, about everything. Yeah. The vast majority of injuries. <laughs> yeah. like, you want to get rid of some of the inflammation. Right. Often start with an NSAID. Mm -hmm. Early on, some ice, get the swelling down, pain control. Mm -hmm. Start doing some physical therapy, work on strengthening some of the muscles around the shoulder, yeah. regaining your full range of motion. You, and, and I'm doing this very unlike, you know, I'm doing this from 30,000 feet, right? I'm yeah. not getting into the details. Well, I'm, we have a great second episode lined that's exactly up, right? And right. I, I know that's why you're going that that's way. That's why, yep. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. I don't want to get into the stuck in the weeds. Right. Anti-inflammatory, physical therapy. Sometimes we'll do a cortisone injection, mm -hmm. depending on the situation, the scenario, typically not as frequently, especially in a younger athletic population, but occasionally you'll try one, uh, depending on the scenario and some time and see, yeah. see what they can get back. Yeah. Um, I will tell you more in your, uh, you know, 65 year old, um, with more of this chronic wearing down type of thing, every time that, mm -hmm. that's what you do. That's the right answer. Try to get them better without yeah. surgery and frequently you can. Mm -hmm. Surgery is absolutely necessary when, when what? Yeah. Uh, so, full, full, full thickness tear? No. No. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Depends on the setting. Mm -hmm. So remember, when we go back to that, what we just talked about, full thickness tear can be small. Mm -hmm. It just means that uh, at that one particular point mm -hmm. along the whole archway of the cuff attachment, at that one particular point, there's a tear that goes all the way across. It may not be retracted. It may not be large. It just includes the entire 10 millimeters of the footprint where it normally attaches at that one little point. And that, sometimes people will heal it. Sometimes people will do therapy. Sometimes people will get better. Um, yeah, you don't rush into that one at all. Yeah. But if you have a large 
a massive mm -hmm. full thickness tear. If you have this large tear in a younger patient population, an athletic patient population, in a laborer, someone who you know lays bricks for a living, you know, over time that tear can become worse. Over time, that tear can begin to retract, right? Muscle responds to stress. Mm -hmm. right? And if the cuff is attached to the bone, every time you raise your arm, the muscles retracting, it's pulling on that bone and there's resistance and you're maintaining the integrity of the muscle and the integrity of the cuff, the tissue. If there is no stress on the end of that, it begins to soften, to weaken, to atrophy, right? So you have a tear, like let's say it's a moderately moderate size or a large tear. The cuff is not attacked, attached to the bone. The muscle will retract, but there's no resistance. There's no resistance. The muscle doesn't maintain its strength. It begins to atrophy. It begins to shrivel up. The cuff begins to retract away, pull away from where it normally is supposed to be attached to the, to the, to the, to the bone, to the greater tuberosity. Over time, you can't get it back to where it needs to be. If you're an older patient, we have a couple different options to make up for that. If you're a younger patient, we have a couple okay options to try to make up for that. We do not have any great options to make up for that. You do not want to let that start to happen. And anything you're doing in that situation is really more of a salvage. You're not getting that person back to normal. You're trying to get make that person the best you can, mm -hmm. um, but you're not trying to get right. them back to normal anymore. So yeah, you have this big massive rotator cuff tears for thickness and want to just go fix it. You know, and I guess also when conservative treatment has failed and daily and the other time, and daily right? activities are just becoming impossible. Absolutely right. Yeah. So so you try the stuff that would oftentimes get somebody better when they have more of this chronic tear, this wearing down tear. They're a little bit older, a smaller tear, and you're doing all that stuff and they don't get better. And sometimes it frustrates people, right? Like, like my doc's not listening to me. I right. have a rotator cuff tear and my shoulder hurts and he's just not listening to me. But in, in reality, it's, it's, you know, looking out for the patient because oftentimes it will work. Your yeah. pain will go away. And, and we've just saved you a surgery. We've done you a huge favor. Yeah. And, but, but if we try it, and unfortunately it doesn't work and that's where the trial and error comes yeah. in that's where that's where the art of medicine comes in right and the person's not getting better then yeah then that's another indication to go in and fix that so if you could keep your answer here as as brief as possible because <laughs> as you always say right we're really going to get into the weeds in, okay in part two of this right you have to tell a patient that surgery is needed yeah let's start with the non-athlete recovery time from a rotator cuff surgery is how long Pretty long, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So in the best case scenario, it's like four to five months. Okay. There are some variables here. Mm -hmm. There are different versions of this surgery. Yeah. There's uh, we have something. There's a certain patch out there. I'm not. I don't want to get into the specifics and whatnot. But like you can debride, debride the cuff, not mm -hmm. actually repair it, yeah. but debride it. You can sometimes put that patch on there. Sometimes it's a that that leads to a much quicker recovery. Yeah. Assuming full takedown or full thickness uh -huh. tear that needs to be full on repair, that cough, that tendon needs to heal to the bone. Mm -hmm. So that means six weeks in a sling, typically. Yeah. 
and there are variations, but generally six weeks in the sling. Then the next six weeks are about getting your range of motion back, but you're not allowed to lift anything heavier than a glass of water. So that's yeah. three months, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start strengthening. So you're really looking at four months, five months, up to six months recovery-wise. For the baseball player that's listening in, yeah, they have to go through this unfortunate surgery. Yeah. When could they expect to be back on the mound competitively? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you know, you really start your throwing protocols probably closer to around six months mm -hmm. in that in that vicinity, and you know six months, nine months. But but yep. but oftentimes it, it's not your ACL, right? Yep. The ACL is a little longer. It, it's not your Achilles traditionally. We yep. talked about you know, some of those other repairs and whatnot. But it's really more in that that usually that six month yep. block. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect place to leave it off, right? Because we have two great guests coming on. Do you want do you want to mention who you're bringing? next uh the next time man nah, we'll just introduce okay. them when they get All here right. so we're, we're gonna have a little bit of the player perspective on right. things we're gonna have a, a physical therapist that's really now dedicated his career towards uh you know honing in on the baseball player in terms of overhead injuries shoulder injuries i can't wait to hear some of the stuff he has to say yeah. right like uh, some very interesting stuff and like i feel like there's sometimes a little bit of a of yeah. a, a difference between the way the different specialties right. view some of it. Right. Overall, the generalized yeah. concepts are all the same, but there are definitely differences in the subtleties. And, and you know, he's a real drawing guru, a baseball yeah. guru, and it's, uh, it behooves us to have him on. I'm really excited right. to really excited stuff about he has that. to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, let's preview some other episodes too. So like we said, the weather's getting really nice outside. Oh, I, yeah. I enjoy running. We're really excited here in the next week or so. We're going to have Brittany Lynch on, uh, a physical therapist here that works out. Uh, I'm not works out, works with the energy lab. We're going to, so, so actually, yep. yeah, I'd say a little misleading that, that, yep. that, that we're, we're going to have her on. We're going to record. Yep. We're also waiting to see March Madness is around the right. corner, man. So right. if there's any real good injury to talk about with March Madness, that might be the episode that airs, and then 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 we'll air yeah. Britney's. But yeah, we're like we're we're gonna record it. I'm For really sure. excited. I, I I myself, I mean, I got home about about eight eight thirty last night. Right. But it was still seventy degrees out, and yeah. it was awesome to just throw on a long sleeve shirt and a, a pair of shorts and go for a nice run. But with that comes a whole bunch of different things, right? Yeah. Different injuries. People like me just getting up and getting running yeah so real excited for that conversation the with whole, Brittany here. the gate evaluation yeah. the gate talk the running the yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah uh you mentioned that march madness right so we're in conference week um mm -hmm. all the all the tournaments are going on Binghamton won its first game. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to the i'm, I'm gonna hit you with this i'm gonna hit you with this we uh, i recently had a conversation because as we know uh march is that national athletic trainers month right doc your bucket list of three events that you wish you could cover as a as a physician yeah, I got, March Madness has got to be up That's there, my number one. Right? So that's what that, my first answer was. I would love to cover a March Madness game in any round, whether it's right. the playoff game or the play in game or the, the first two, the first, yeah. the first two weeks, I think are, are the best. Of yeah. course, the, the exciting final four yeah. and whatnot. But like the, the first two days and the second two days, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, we're, we're like right. 64, 32, like it's awesome. Yeah, it's so yeah. exciting. Yeah. For Anything sure. else you can think of? You know, I'd have to say just because of the sheer spectacle of mm -hmm. it, it would be fun to be at a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, you can't mm -hmm. argue with that. And I then, said the on uh, the, the same lines. I, I kind of I, I did. I, I grew up a Michigan University fan, right? So I split it between either a Michigan Ohio State game, right, or a Rose Bowl game. A Rose Bowl, right, 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 cool. right. Just because the history of that of that of that bowl game. And the beauty of that is there's there's a certain excitement, right? Yeah. Like 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 to to the college level, right. Of, of sports like it's just spectacular yeah. and and i think the last one um 
in a similar vein, right? Mm -hmm. These people have worked so hard their whole yeah. lives to get the Olympics. That's exactly what I said, Doc. I said any, I actually said Olympic basketball or baseball, but something about just, you know, being, you know, people representing the country yeah. or our country, but any country that you're there for, whoever, right. whoever they are. Um, but that, that's got to be an amazing I, experience. I would think for me, it's, 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 it's you know, personal yeah. preference. Like, yeah. I'd love to be at Olympic wrestling, you know, right. whatever right. it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, that would be spectacular. Yeah. And then, uh, sure, you know, whatever would have been fourth on May, I, I said the I said the NFL Pro Bowl. You mentioned the Super Bowl. Right. I said the Pro Bowl is cool because it's probably a little bit more laid back. I've never been down on a the side. A little bit? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it, it's laid back, but, I mean, it's the best of the best, right? right. So other than the two teams that make the Super Bowl, yeah. uh, it's – it's my favorite sport and it's yeah. the best of the best. I differ on the Pro Bowl, man. Yeah. I feel like the Pro Bowl is just like a sham of a game. Yeah. And it's it very, has become that. Yeah. Right, right. So maybe maybe four or five years ago right. or ten or ten right. fifteen years ago, but like now when Sean Taylor was laying out the punter uh for the AFC. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand why it's become right. what it's become. Right. Of course. Right? You're, yeah. you're protecting these valuable assets. Yeah. But 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 yeah, yeah, at this point, other than the fact, it's not even in Florida, right? It's in Vegas now. Like, it is like, in Vegas, I'm not yeah. Florida. I mean, it's not even in Hawaii. It's in Vegas right. now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know. For me, that loses a little bit of luster. Okay. But the other one's spectacular. Yeah. All so, right. yeah, I can't wait. March Madness, favorite mm -hmm. time of the year. Yeah. I absolutely love it. So, so hopefully, and, and we're, we not, we're good. We're not going to push the envelope, right? We, we're not hoping for any kind of crazy injuries, but of I, I would, as, as you are, we've already talked about this, love to have an episode. And next week regarding something centered around March Madness. Sure. So we'll and see what comes up. Hopefully could, for all the athletes, nothing does. But I, I, would, I would call Georgetown my, my alma mater, my okay. high school alma mater, yeah. basically the whole season an injury. Yeah. Not a single win in the Big East. Right. How? Right. How? It's Georgetown. Yeah. What, what the heck happened? With Ewing at the helm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, it is. We'll what see it what is. happens. We'll see how the conference tournament week goes. We'll, you know, right. we'll we'll be watching selection Sunday. Right. But I think for tonight, that's going to go ahead and wrap things up. Sure. Before we close out our tab, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, of course, for hosting us each and every week, located right here at six fourteen Lambs Road, Pittman, New Jersey. Chris is really hustling behind the bar. Another packed house down here. And as always, our uh, good friends at Timber Real Productions, we appreciate your efforts in making this possible. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you guys next time.